great to have everybody together here today, especially the kids. Welcome, kids. Uh, years ago, I lived across the street from a woman who was in her mid-70s whose name was Sally, and she was one of the toughest and grouchiest people that I've ever met in my life. In fact, if Clint Eastwood and Judge Judy were to raise a daughter together, that would be Sally. As far as I could tell, she disliked everybody, her own family, the people who used to be her friends but weren't anymore, her old co-workers, and probably even the mailman had offended her in some way. But guess what? She liked me. Sally liked me. At least I thought that she did. Every so often I'd go over and I'd sit with her for a little while and listen to her complain about people or... I'd help her carry her groceries inside from the car, and she would almost always say to me, you know, Paul, someday I'm going to order you a pizza. She must have said that to me a dozen times, but that pizza never actually seemed to materialize. And, and looking back, I think that that should have been a clue for me. Well, one day in the fall, very cloudy day, I had to climb up onto my roof to clean up my gutter, and I uh, accidentally kicked the ladder out of the way, so it was too far for me to reach, so I was, I was stuck up on the roof. I, I couldn't get back down. And to make matters worse, I realized that there was a storm coming. I, I could hear thunder rumbling in the background uh, behind me, and I knew that I was in trouble. But fortunately, when I looked across the street, who do you think I saw? Sally, yeah, she was out working in her driveway, and I thought, great. I said, I'm, I'm saved, and so I called out, hey, Sally, up here, right here. Listen, I accidentally kicked my ladder out of the way, and I was wondering if you could just push it over a couple of feet for me so that I can get down from the roof, and do you know what she said to me? I can still hear her exact words in my mind. She yelled, you got yourself up there? You can get yourself down. I was stunned. I said, Sally, please, please, it'll just take a minute. You just have to push it like two feet. And you know what she did? She turned her back, and she walked back inside her house, and she shut the door. I I didn't even have a chance to say, wait, Sally, I thought you liked me. Can I at least get the pizza that you've been promising me all these years? I'm going to get hungry up here. But it was, it was too late. I, I was stuck. And in fact, I had a detached garage. And so I had to jump from my, the roof of my house to the roof of my detached garage where I could climb down uh, safely. But I have to tell you, it is a terrible feeling when you're stuck, when you're truly in need. And those people who could help you and who should help you don't help you. It's a terrible feeling to be abandoned by someone. Well, one of the most famous stories that Jesus ever told was about a man who was abandoned. And he told this story in order to teach a very important lesson to, of all people, a lawyer. And what Jesus was trying to do through this story is he was trying to show this lawyer what it really means to love someone and what being a good neighbor to somebody else is really all about. 
And it all came about when this lawyer, who was an expert in the law of the Old Testament in the Bible, asked Jesus a very simple question. He said, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? What a great question that was, especially to ask Jesus. It's like he was saying, Jesus, when I die, how can I be sure that I will live with God in his kingdom forever and ever? Have any of you ever wondered that question? Have you ever asked that? I know that I have. Well, in spite of how great of a question that this was, the passage tells us something that's kind of unsettling. It it says that this lawyer was asking this not because he really cared about what Jesus' answer was, but because he wanted to test Jesus. It would seem that this lawyer didn't like Jesus very much and was hoping that he could trick him into saying something that would make him look bad in front of everyone who was listening. But Jesus knew exactly what this man was up to. And so instead of answering his question directly, Jesus turned the tables around and asked the lawyer to answer a question himself. Jesus said, well, what does the law in the Old Testament of the Bible say about that? And how do you understand it? And the lawyer, who really was probably a very smart person, actually quoted the Bible. In fact, he had memorized a verse from the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, that says, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And Jesus answers this man and, and essentially says to the lawyer, You're right. You've given a correct answer. If you can do it, Jesus says, if you can love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind, and if you can love your neighbor as yourself, then when you die, the gates of heaven will be thrown open to you for you will have inherited eternal life. Do this, Jesus says, and you will live. I want to ask a question just for the kids this morning, okay? Only for the kids. Is it possible to do this? Is there any person in the whole world besides Jesus who always loves God with all their heart and with all their soul and with all their strength and with all of their mind? And is there any person in the whole world who has ever lived besides Jesus who 100% of the time loves their neighbor to the same degree that they love themselves? What do you think, kids? Is there anybody who can do that? No, some of you are shaking your heads no. And and you know what that means? That means that you are smarter than that lawyer because he didn't get it. He should have said to Jesus, oh, wow, how could I ever love God like that? How could I even come close to loving my neighbor like that? But but did the lawyer say that? No. In in fact, I, I think that this lawyer actually thought that he could do all of those things because it says right here that Instead, he tried to justify himself. In fact, he used an old lawyer trick, which I guess he thought would work like a Jedi mind trick on Jesus. And he tried to change the subject and catch Jesus in a technicality. Trying to justify himself, it says, the the lawyer asked, and Jesus then, just who is my neighbor? 
In other words, who exactly are the people that I'm supposed to love as much as I love myself? How far does that circle extend? What the lawyer was asking was just how good do I need to be exactly and to whom do I need to be that good in order to earn my way into heaven? And Jesus' answer to this question, again, is is pretty amazing because he tells this man a story. And the story that Jesus tells goes like this. He says, there was a man that was on a journey from the city of Jerusalem to a place called Jericho. And this trip at the time would have involved taking a very dangerous road, like that route that Little Red Riding Hood had to take to her grandmother's house. You were just about certain to run into trouble along the way. And sure enough, this man did. He was attacked by surprise by some robbers who not only stole all of his money and all of his possessions, but they actually stole his clothing too. And and then they, they beat him up so that in the end, this poor man was lying on the side of the road, beaten and bleeding. In fact, it says that he was half dead. The man was totally unable to do anything for himself and he was completely at the mercy of anyone who might wander by. But thankfully, the story goes, someone did wander by, and it turned out to be the perfect person, a priest. Could this poor man have have asked for any better luck? Certainly, a priest would stop and help him. The priest would have memorized that same verse in the book of Deuteronomy that the lawyer just quoted, that a person should love his neighbor as himself. And so, of course, the priest would stop and help. But the story goes that when the priest saw the man lying beside of the road in the ditch, instead of helping, he just crossed over to the other side of the road and, and kept on walking. I guess, like Sally, this person just could not be bothered. But then, fortunately, someone else came along, and this person was a Levite. Now, since the Levites were the people who helped the priest And since they also would have known by heart this verse from the book of Deuteronomy, it was a sure thing that he would stop, right? I mean, of all the the, the next in line that this man could have asked for, a, a Levite was the guy. The text says that no, he too just looked away and kept on walking. And the poor man was just left lying there, bleeding out to die. But thankfully... Jesus' story doesn't end there. There is, in fact, someone who stops to help. But it's here that Jesus introduces a major twist into the story. And that is that the person who stops to help the man on the side of the road is probably the one person that the lawyer never would have anticipated. In fact, it was a person that probably would have been a shock to the lawyer. It was a Samaritan. I uh, remember when I was in high school, there was this kid who was in school with me whose name was Matt. And sometimes he would get picked on by uh, this group of boys. And one day I was in the cafeteria eating my lunch and, and I saw one of the boys that, that picked on Matt take a milk carton and from across the room, he, he threw the milk carton up in the air. And I remember just watching it soar. It was like it was in in slow motion, and it it sailed way up high, 
And when it came down, it smashed right into Matt's table where he was sitting um, either alone or, or with one other person. And when it hit the table, the milk carton exploded and milk splattered everywhere, all over Matt, all over stuff, all over the floor. And the group of boys just laughed. You know, to, to them, Matt was an outcast. Uh, Matt was a person that they had completely rejected. And this is how the people of that day who lived in Samaria were treated by Jewish people like this lawyer. Jewish people like this lawyer at that time considered the Samaritans to be very low-class people who didn't hold to the teachings of the Old Testament like they did. And, and, and the Jews felt that they were just totally uncivilized and they did everything that they could do to shun them and, and not go near them. And the Samaritans, in turn, rejected the Jews in exactly the same way. There was this hostility that existed between those two groups. And yet when this Samaritan saw the man dying on the side of the road, even though this man would have been his enemy, Jesus says it didn't matter to him. And he says that that not only did he stop, but, but he went way out of his way, far and beyond what might be expected to care for this poor man. Let, let's read in just a second here exactly what this Samaritan does. It's in verse 33, and I want you just to think about the lengths to which this man goes to and the genuineness of this Samaritan's concern and his quick willingness to sacrifice his time and his resources, not only for a total stranger, but for a total stranger who who is his enemy. Verse 33, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was. And when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend, I will repay you when I come back. And after telling this, then Jesus turns to the lawyer and he he asks them this question, which of these three do you think proved to be the neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? And the lawyer said, the one who showed mercy, right? He couldn't even bring himself to say the word Samaritan. So it was just the one who, who showed mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. I think as we read all of this, it it, kind of forces us to ask the question, what exactly is Jesus trying to teach here? What exactly is it that he's trying to help this lawyer to understand? And so I want to just share three lessons that I think that we pull from this. And and I'll just share them briefly. The, The first one is a lesson that I think is pretty obvious probably to all of us. The second lesson is one that I think is a little bit more subtle. And the third lesson, at least to me, is absolutely astounding. Well, the the first lesson that I think this story illustrates is it illustrates so well what it really means to love someone. This passage shows us what it really means to love someone. 
it's so interesting in this story that it wasn't the priest or the Levite, the two people who would have known by heart that Old Testament verse in Deuteronomy that, that says that people are to love their neighbor as themselves. But it was the Samaritan. It was the one who didn't know that verse, who actually was the one who ended up living it out. He was the one who did what was required. And Jesus is trying to say to this, this lawyer that, that love is more than just knowing something. Love is doing something for another. Love is more, he, he was saying, than just memorizing the, the right answer and being able to spit it back out on the quiz. It's giving of one's very self in the service to others. Love is not just knowledge, he was saying. Love has to be lived out. Now, when that milk um, splattered all over Matt that day in the cafeteria, it was a terrible moment. I could see how incredibly just humiliated Matt was. I, I could tell he was holding back tears. Uh, people were laughing at him. He was terribly embarrassed. And, and I remember as I, as I sat there and watched, I didn't think it was funny. I, I remember thinking, that is mean. And I felt very, very badly for Matt. And you know what I did about it? Nothing. I went back to my sandwich and I forgot about it two minutes later. But what Jesus is trying to teach us here is that love is much more than just knowing that something is wrong. It's much more than just feeling badly for somebody. I'm, I'm sure that the priests and the Levites felt bad for the guy who was lying on the side of the road. But real love does something about it. And real love for Matt, that kind of neighborly concern that Jesus illustrates here, I think would have asked something far more from me. For starters, it sure would have been nice if I had grabbed some napkins and walked over and helped Matt clean up the table and, and wiped up some of his books. That would have been a nice thing to do. Or maybe if I had risked saying something to those guys that were so cruel to him, even though it might have meant that they would have turned on me. And I think for sure the kind of love that Jesus is talking about here would have meant reaching out to pursue Matt in friendship since he didn't seem to have very many friends of his own, if any at all. Love would have been at least those things. In fact, love probably would have been more. You see, loving your neighbor as yourself involves going out of your way above and beyond to treat other people exactly the way that you would want to be treated if you were in their situation. It's doing for Matt exactly the thing that I would want Matt to do for me had someone launched that milk at me instead of him. It's seeing someone who's in need and deciding, I'm not going to turn away. I want to. I'm busy. This is going to be difficult and draining and costly, but I'm not going to turn my face. Jesus' definition of love is, is compassion in motion. It's an active and cheerful and willing surrender of time and comfort and resource. It's extending grace and mercy towards someone, even if it's somebody that we naturally feel 
repelled by. And that's the first lesson of this story. Jesus' definition of what love is absolutely towers over the watered-down version of love that's so common in our world today. But we need to hear from this that this is the kind of love that God desires for us to express to others. It's, It's the kind of love that God expects from us. This high, lofty love is God's standard of of what love actually is and means. And oh, I, I think part of the desire of this passage is that we would learn that kind of love from Jesus himself and that the people that we come in contact with would experience a, a greater love from us because Jesus has, has taught us that love. Because that rich love is, is God's love and, and he desires for us to, to extend it into the lives of other people. That's the first lesson, I think. And that leads us to the second lesson of this passage. Okay, I want you to go back a little bit on the story because it's always important to read a story in its context. So I want you to remember that the, the lawyer was asking Jesus what question? How we could get to heaven, Right? And Jesus basically replies to the lawyer. He says, look, if you think that you can be loving enough to get to heaven on your own, then go for it. He says, feel free to try. But he says, here's what the standard is. This is my definition of what being a loving person looks like. You've got to love your neighbor, which includes every single person that you come in contact with, both your friends and your enemies, like this Samaritan did. And what Jesus was gently trying to say to this man was, come on, buddy, do you really think you can do that? Do you really think that you're capable of this kind of love? Well, the the truth is that, that even though the love that Jesus is talking about here should always be our aim, it should always be the, the, the way that we're trying to love other people, all of us, fall so short of this standard, don't we? I mean, I, I have failed miserably to love Matt that day in the cafeteria. I, I'm sure that each of you can think of times when, when you've done something similar to me. I, I, I have hundreds of examples that I could give of how I've failed to love others in, in, in this way as well. And, and compared to what I read here, my love feels like a kind of token love that's built on a minimal effort. The story of the Good Samaritan is meant to convict. It's meant to challenge this lawyer, and it's meant to to challenge us too, so that we might think that if my entrance into heaven is based on how well I've loved my neighbor, according to this definition of what love is, then we're to think, I'm lost. There's no hope. On the most loving day of of my entire life, I would still fall short. And for this lawyer to believe that he can live up to these things, honestly, is very sad. For him to think that that he could indeed love his neighbor as himself, much less love God with all of his heart, 100%, and all of his soul, and all of his mind, and all of his strength, to be honest, is absurd. And what Jesus is doing is he's trying to graciously show him through this 
wonderful story that he could never be good enough to earn a place for himself in heaven. You know, I I look around at some of you kids who are here this morning, and I think back to when I was some of your ages, and, and I have to say, I was a lot like this lawyer at the time. I mean, I really figured that it was up to me to earn my spot in heaven by being a good enough person. But this story shows us that nobody could ever be good enough to earn a spot in heaven. Nobody can get there on their own. The story was meant to show this man that that everyone needs help. And that brings us to the final lesson that I want to draw from this passage this morning. And that is that the wonderful, absolutely soaring type of love that Jesus describes in this passage is the very kind of love that permeates his own heart. Jesus can can talk about this kind of love because this was his love. Incredibly, Jesus is someone who meets his own standard of love. That's the way that he loves. And you know what's so wonderful about it? We get to be the beneficiaries of that love. Let me ask you something this morning. Can you believe that the kind of love that the good Samaritan had for that man lying at the side of the road, the the compassion, the mercy, the cheerful sacrifice that that good Samaritan made for that man. Can you believe that that kind of love is the same kind of love that Jesus has for you? Do you believe that Jesus loves you like that? That Jesus loves you not with the minimal, weak, token kind of love that's so common in this world, but with that very same above and beyond active, cheerful costly, surprising love that really ought to take a person's breath away. You see, Jesus' love for you is an expression not only of his compassion, but his compassion in motion. It's the kind of love that that would gladly get down on its hands and knees with a paper towel to clean up milk that's been spilled on you. It's the kind of love that would courageously stand up to a bully no matter how mean or tough, no matter what it is that he said about you. It's the kind of love that would never leave a half-dead man lying in the ditch without stopping to help, much less take care of all of his needs. Jesus' love is love from a different world. Jesus' love is the love of heaven itself. And only a person who is truly God could live out Love like that. Because Jesus' love is not just a word, it's not just a love of words. And it's not just a love of sentiment. Jesus' love is a love of action. The same kind of action that he describes, whoa, in this story. Speaking of action, wow. You know, the entire Bible, the whole book, points to one action in particular that is the highest point of love. It's the brightest and most radiant expression of Jesus' love for us. Every page points to it. You know what that is? It's the cross. See, 
Jesus cares about people. Jesus notices the situation that people are in. And Jesus knows that our love, just like it did for that lawyer, falls terribly short. He knows that there is none of us who could live up there, live up to that standard. There's none of us who is deserving of heaven. The Bible teaches that instead of turning away, instead of abandoning ourselves to the, the fate that we deserve, that instead, like the good Samaritan, his heart towards each person is filled with compassion and that Jesus showed the full extent of his love by sacrificing himself in every way, by going willingly to the cross to pay the price for all of our failure and sin and in order to complete for us everything that it is that God requires that we cannot do ourselves. And I think when I read this story, oh, if, if only this lawyer would have realized that. Maybe he did. I, I don't know. We don't know what happens to this guy. But if only he, he would have realized that nobody could ever get to heaven on their own, but that through faith in Jesus, heaven was being offered as a gift to anyone who might receive it, including him, if only he might believe. This morning, I want to ask you, do you believe that? Are you fighting to try to get to heaven on your own? Are you believing that you can be good enough that you can live up to that standard somehow? Or are you trusting Jesus to do something for you that you could never do on his own? We do not know what happened to this lawyer. The, the curtain closes, and, and we're not sure if he understood what Jesus was really trying to get through to him. We don't know if he grasped the meaning of the story of the Good Samaritan. But my question this morning for you is, do you, do you, do you believe that a love like this exists? And do you believe that it exists fully and completely in the heart of Jesus? And do you believe that Jesus desires to extend that love to you, that he's proven it through the cross, and that through grace, his grace in faith, that he desires to lift you up and bring you home with him. Let's pray together. Father, I thank you so much that the greatest love in all of the universe is that love that permeates your heart. And we know that it is a love that is so deep and so wide and so vast and so immeasurable that we can't even begin to understand it. Our, our imaginations are, are not rich enough. But we thank you that, that your son Jesus told this story so that we could begin to taste it somehow. I thank you that there is not a person in this room who that same love that was expressed by the Good Samaritan is not expressed through you. And we thank you that, that all of our need is met at the cross. We thank you that when we come to you and we confess to you our need, that you are so quick to provide. We thank you that you sent your son Jesus to die in our place so that we could be assured of heaven, so we wouldn't have to wonder whether or not we made it based on our own efforts. 
And I pray this morning that you would help us to know that love. I pray that you would help us to depend upon that love. I pray that you would help us to delight in that love because a love like that is so delightful. We pray that you would teach us the lesson of the Good Samaritan, Father, and that you would help us to trust it and believe it and rejoice in it with all of our hearts. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen.